0: reframe. Well, I learned that technique from a therapist. Here's an example. Now that I'm a freelance writer and podcaster, I get lonely working from home and I feel like I'm never going to get to collaborate on projects again. And that's the truth. Reframe. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash mascara today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash mascara. Again, BetterHelp.com slash mascara. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Fat Mascara. I'm Jen. Jess is out this week. She's starting her new job. So I have some guest co-hosts lined up this week and next. And our first is Sharice Kenyon. She's joining me in the virtual studio from the UK. She's a journalist, a photographer, and a podcaster. Her podcast is called Beauty Me. We'll talk about that. So I'm excited to have you join us for the show. Charisse is going to be in the intro. We're going to chat a little bit. Then we're going to do the news like we always do. Talk about whether or not we're allowed to weigh in on celebrities' aesthetic choices, a conversation that keeps going on here at Fet Mascara. And then we'll raise some wands. And that's the show. So please enjoy the show. And let's welcome Charisse to the virtual studio. Therese, welcome to Fat Mascara.
2: Thank you. This is a big honor.
0: Stop, please. It Meanwhile, is. I just realized my, my dog is in the background and already making noise, so we might have to stop that at some point. You have a puppy too, right?
2: Yeah, but he's way bigger than yours. He's an American Bully XL, so he's only a year old, and he's, he can put his hand on my shoulder if, I, if I'm standing up. His hand, his paw. <laughs>
0: I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so excited to have you here. I love your podcast. I love your photography. And I wanted to introduce the Fat Mascara listeners to you because you're my co-host this week while Jess is out, which is great. So just so people can get to know a little bit more about you, can you give us some background? Like what's been your career path? I feel like you circle around all sorts of media, all sorts of the beauty industry. Tell me a little bit about it.
2: Circle is the right word because a long time ago i wanted to be a journalist and when i realized that when you want to study to be a journalist you have to cover all aspects maybe not today but it was like sports journalism and you know hard hitting news and i was like i don't i don't want that so i actually went and did a fine art degree with photography fast forward i'm not using my degree I'm doing PR in the arts world on the side, and I'm writing for Metro, which at the time was like this brand new daily newspaper. Sharice,
0: the connections between us, by the way, guys, offline, we have so many <laughs> weird things in common right now. I wrote uh, for the Metro. I wrote for no it in way. Philadelphia here. And it was like this new British newspaper no that was like, oh, it's the daily. It's free. And I had a yeah. column. Oh, my God. Okay, keep going. Keep going. So you wrote for yeah, the Metro. So-
2: I started at Metro in style and beauty, so I got to write about fashion as well. Me too! And then one day, I was really bored at my other part-time job, and I saw this... I tell everyone this story because I feel like it's kind of a cool story, and maybe somebody out there will, like, change their whole life plan. But one day, I was really bored, and I saw a job in Dubai, and it was like, join this brand-new English newspaper looking for journalists all around the world. So I applied. I was like, I'm not going to move there (laughs) because that would be, that's not going to happen. I had a partner at the time. So I applied and I kept getting closer and closer until one day I had an interview with them. They came to London. It went really well. They kind of did this good cop, bad cop thing, testing me, you know, seeing if I really wanted to come for the job or come because it was Dubai long story short, I waited two weeks and I hadn't heard from them. So I was like, oh, let me just find out. I'm not moving, but let me just find out. And they were like, yeah, actually it's really close. It's between you and somebody else. We're just trying to, and I just went, why don't you do yourself a favor? Give me the job. And it's one less thing for you to think about. (laughs) When it came out of your mouth, were you like, what did I just do? I it. Okay. And he called me and he was like, you cheeky cow, you've got the job. (laughs) It and then the now, like, do I want the job? (laughs) Yeah, oh no, I wanted it, but I was like, have to end this relationship. Although he didn't want to do that, that's a whole other story that we don't need to hear. Um, but yeah, got on a plane, lived there for two and a half years, and I went from being a writer to an editor. I got to travel to all the international fashion weeks, learn about Mm. how you bring ads and editorial together. Yeah. Then came back to England, went into hair magazines. So yeah, it's always been about beauty. I just took a long way to get back around to being a journalist. And then it's so weird because the last six years I've gone back to my photography as well because they work so well together. You know, I talk about beauty. I love to photograph it. I love taking people's portraits. And even recently I've been doing my own makeup for some of the shoots that I'm doing. So hundred percent, definitely like super into beauty.
0: Why do you think that is? Like, were you growing up, were you fascinated with the beauty products, beauty culture, someone in your family introduced you to it?
2: I think there's two references. There's one that I used to dance when I was younger. So like from about three years old and you wore makeup, it was really bad, but I loved it. I've got a gap in my teeth, but when I was younger, it was really, really big. And I used to feel a bit self-conscious. So I think makeup was a way to like make me look prettier, you know. But also I have very strong memories of my mum's mum. So my mum's white, my dad's Jamaican. And I have really strong memories. I don't know if you have them, a memory that's linked to a smell. I remember the smell of this lipstick that she used to wear. And she used to wear fuchsia, which is quite a different colour for, you know, an older white lady in England, you know, it was like this really yeah. beautiful fuchsia. And I always remember when she would reach down to kiss me, I could smell the, the powder on her face. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's always meant dressing up and it's always meant glamour. Always loved old movies. What was your,
0: what was your grandmother's name? Your was Pamela. Your okay. What did you call her?
2: Oh, gosh, it would have just like been granny? granny back then. Yeah, because, okay. you know, she hasn't been with us for a very long time. But I've got yeah. such strong memories. It's funny, if you see some back in the day pictures of her, she kind of reminds me of the queen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> with her, And then with the fuchsia lip.
2: Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I just always think of that. It's very, I can, I can smell it now. If I think about it.
0: And so what's your beauty philosophy these days? You said you have a, a gap between your teeth. Have you come to embrace it? Because I, I mean, I think it's just the most fabulous feature for, to have. Like, I'm jealous.
2: I love the gap, but even like, I don't like bringing up exes because I'm just like, it's bad, you know, it's history for a reason. But he actually said I had teeth that were like gravestones, like a graveyard.
0: Is this so, the pre-Dubai guy? Yeah. Eh, okay, go on.
2: So actually, yeah, I quite like my teeth now. Like, there's other things that I don't love. My teeth, I'm cool with, you know. I've got big lips and big teeth. I mean, I'm fine with that.
0: And now you're wearing a... Bold red lip, which is also my usual favorite. Is that mm. kind of when you're, what's your go-to look when you're like, I got to bring it?
2: Oh, well, I had to bring it for you because I'm not feeling 100%. So I was like, absolutely red I. lip.
0: We <laughs> bo- guys, we both got on the line and we were like, are we doing this? <laughs> and yes, then, we are. But you've actually really cheered me up in, um, <laughs> in a much better mood now. So you bring you did the red lip to sort of perk yourself up?
2: Yeah, I'm someone I haven't, been on holiday for a while for obvious reasons so I'm kind of feeling in my my pale stage right now so a red lip is just a way to draw attention to one part over the others you know draw attention away from usually it's a breakout you know anyone that follows my podcast knows that I deal with hormonal <laughs> acne it's boring but often a red lip will be a distraction no it's
0: not it's a struggle we've all a lot of us have been there. Maybe not all of us, mm. but a lot of us have been oh. there. It's funny. I feel the same way people think. Some people think a red lip is like you're drawing attention to yourself. I'm like, no, it's distraction. It's Absolutely. like the big orange cones. Like, don't look at the pimple. Look over here. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's a distraction. It's like, look at that. Don't look at what's surrounding it. You
0: know? Yeah. Well, it's gorgeous. What color are you wearing today? What is that?
2: So my diehard is always going to be Max Cherry Pencil. Okay. It's the best because it's blue, that yes. bluey base red. But I've also got the Violet. And I if know how to say the brand name, Violet underscore her. FR. Yeah, FR.
0: <laughs> <laughs> violet got, France? I don't know yeah. either. But yeah, so is it her red lip?
2: Yes. And it's a liquid lip. And honestly, a little bit goes a long way. The, pack, the product does not need to be so big. I think it will last me forever.
0: Um, Violette, that little, little marketing from Charisse there. Make your product smaller so you can make <laughs> a little more money. <laughs> it's a beautiful formula. It's like weirdly matte, but not matte, right? Yes.
2: It's not that awful. When they first came out, like super drying, where your lips would like drag across each other. and Yeah, it's cool.
0: I love your red lips today. It's gorgeous. What I didn't ask you that I should have asked you very at the top when we started talking Tell me about your podcast. We talked about your career. We talked about your journalism, your photography, but you have a podcast. Tell us about it.
2: So basically, I think think the podcast is maybe a couple of years old now, but...
0: It's called Beauty Me,
2: by the way. Yes, it is, Jen. (laughs) But I don't know if you were the same, but I'd been thinking about it at least a year before I started it. And basically, it was just friends that would say you know so much, you've been writing about beauty for so long, why don't you talk about it? And for me, I just thought, well, it is a cool way to continue some of the conversations because I get to meet so many cool people. And often I would just write up an interview about them for somebody else. Whereas, you know, I could just have them on and talk to them. And I think to be a journalist, you have to be quite a nosy person anyway. So a podcast just made a lot of sense. But Because it requires a lot of work, it wasn't something that I was going to jump into. It's not like starting a job and getting paid. It's like, you have to carve out time, you have to contact the guests, you have to record with them, you have to edit it, you have to promote it. And there's no guarantee that you will ever make any money from it. So, (laughs) you know, it took me a year to get started and then maybe another six months to actually post some episodes.
0: But you had some great conversations. What, what's what been your favorite? Who's been your favorite guest?
2: Oh, it's funny because I'm actually working on an episode now, which is about lessons that I've learned from certain guests. And the key ones like, I don't know about you, have you ever cried on the podcast? Yeah. Yeah. So there's been a couple of people that have just like got me. One was definitely a New York based makeup artist, Ellie Luna. And during the pandemic, I did a lot of episodes where I talked to people about their mental, how they were just, how they were doing mental health wise. And Ellie really opened my eyes because she was just like, pre-pandemic, we were just doing the work, paying the bills, doing, not doing the minimum, not being lazy, but we were just doing what was necessary. And she said the pandemic made her feel like, no, I only have one life. Like, what do you really, really want to do with it? And
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I know I got emotional during that one. For me, it's when the guest just seems to be super honest. Because let's be real, some people can come on your podcast because they want to promote something, you know, and you mm-hmm. get to hear the usual, oh, I heard them say that on so-and-so, or I read that. But there's certain guests, you know, somebody that I've known as a PR for years but didn't know much about her personally came on the podcast and told me that she had an alcohol addiction and I was just like you trust me with that information like wow I'm so grateful to you to put yourself out there you know she could have been thinking well I'm not going to tell you that because I'm a PR and I don't want potential clients to know this and Mm -hmm. I just felt so grateful to me every single guest is important if they're willing to give me an hour of their time you know there's some really fun guests like Katie Jane Hughes I'll never forget that one met Mm -hmm. her in person and people love her but my most popular guest yeah is Sonia Valencia she is a over 40 creator and the love from her community and like was so visible like people love her she's very straight talking doesn't beat around the bush when she came on the podcast, she, she was like on her best behavior. And I was like, no, no, sorry. No, give me the real. <laughs> give me is the, she like, British? I'm swear. sorry, I'm
0: not, I'm not, fam- I'm not, familiar with her. Is she, is she British?
2: No, she is. I believe she's Mexican, lives in Texas, but I might be wrong because okay. it was a while ago.
0: I didn't hear that one and I have to go listen to it now.
2: Yes. I'll send you the link. She, you know, just when people are real, that's all you can ask for. You know, i I'm. I'm not fussed about people that are just there to tell you what they've told everyone else. Cause then it's like, it's a missed opportunity, you know?
0: Yeah. I love this medium because I do think people let their guard down a little cause it's not visual. So there's something about being in the ears of people or just talking that you mm-hmm. feel safer and you get to know the real them, which is what yeah. we're going to do with you on this show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad people are getting to know you on this podcast and we're going to sort of do our usual thing which is go through the news together and then you and I wanted to have a little chat about celebrities' beauty choices and whether or not we can we have the right to talk about them. So we're going to talk about whether we have the right to talk about them, which will be fun. And then we'll raise a wand like we always do at the end of our podcast Fat Mascara and then you'll be on your on your way. Are you ready to do it? Yes. Okay, let's talk about the news. This was everywhere this week that the 2 Faced founders have cut ties with the brand. This has been happening a lot with these brands that got at their start like 20 years ago, but the company is owned by Estee Lauder Companies and they say the founders are onto new things and they've promoted Tara Simon, who's been with the brand for two years. And when I was like, oh, 2 Faced, in my head, I was like, you know, they've only been doing it like 10 years. They launched in 1998. Do you, I mean, I don't know how old you are, but do you remember like Too Faced back in the day?
2: I don't remember Too Faced back in the day. I've never bought a Too Faced product. And uh, their packaging is...
0: Not for you, that brand.
2: No, it's just, it's just so much. Like I just want the makeup, you know? (laughs) I don't it's need to sell me all. Faced. No, yeah. I
0: know. I and mean, that's what they've been known for. Their cheeky names, you know, Better Than Sex Mascara, all of that. Mm-hmm. I was trying to get a little scuttlebutt, like asking around in the industry because I know a lot of people, like what really happened? Did they get pushed out? Seems to me it was a mutual decision. So I don't know what that means for everybody's favorite two-faced products, but knowing Estee Lauder companies, like let's hope they keep it going smoothly. We'll see. They did just fold Becca and so, oh,
2: yeah. And I did love right? some banker products. But I don't know. I think there's more to the Two-Face story because nowhere have the two founders been quoted. Nowhere. That's a big <laughs> is, sign but, for me.
0: <laughs> that's true. That's true. They, and we've had Jared on the podcast mm-hmm. and he's very opinionated. And now that you say that, that's true. They're not the type to usually keep their opinions to themselves. So, But maybe there's also some legal you know, thing that they signed. When we had Bobby Brown on the podcast, when she left Estee Lauder Company, she wasn't allowed to tell, talk to us about it for quite some years. Yeah. So I feel like I'll keep my ear to the ground. You should do the same. We'll see what's going on over there. I'm so curious to get your take on this because this is such an American story for me, hair discrimination. It's been in the news here so much. I'm not sure if you're aware, but we've been telling our listeners about the CROWN Act, which stands for Creating a Respectful and Open World for Natural Hair. A bunch of states here in um, America have passed this law. It passed our House of Representatives. It's now in the Senate. And I keep pushing people to call their representatives to support this bill. And I feel like some people are like, do we really need it? Why? Why? And a story came out this week that I want to share with you, which is indicative of why we need this. This kid, Trayvon Gray, is 18. He was told, he lives in Texas, he wouldn't be able to participate in his high school graduation ceremony because his locks were too long. They didn't say locks. They said hair. But he read into that. He knows, like, there's other boys out here with long hair. You're targeting me because I have locks. This is my blackness. So this isn't just sexist. This is Racist and i realize this isn't a workplace he's in school but to me this shows why you need laws to protect people's choices and their ethnicity and their race does does this kind of thing make news in england like i'm so curious if you have the same issues
2: well when you you know we talked in advance about you know things we're going to discuss and yeah first of all i did not realize that in the uk since 2010 it has been illegal to discriminate based on her. It has.
0: So you do have this type of law yes, that you don't have yet. But
2: let me tell you a little story that I just heard last week that made me Please. so sad. I'm not going to name anyone, but we're talking about a four-year-old, okay? Mm-hmm. She went to school, nursery, comes home from nursery, and she's like, Mom, I, wanna, I want straight hair. And the mom's like, why? And she's like, I want straight hair. And she's like, she sat her down. I need to know why. She said, because the teacher said I have crazy hair. The teacher said I have wild hair and I don't want wild hair. That's a four-year-old. So forget the workplace. It's obviously starting at school. And over here in 2020, I think it was around 30 social justice advocates got together and they started the Halo Collective. And that Mm -hmm. is an organization that is... Targeting schools and educational organizations. And I think so far they've worked with over 500 schools and organizations. I think it's called the Halo Code. And it is just all about protecting staff and pupils who go to school with natural hair
0: from the type of commentary, discrimination. Yeah,
2: and name calling. It's like the workplace, the microaggressions. Oh, you changed your hair again. It's like. But for children, you know, they're getting called names. So let's educate them at school, so that hopefully the workplace becomes a better place over time. I don't see the point in just bringing in a law. Who's really going to take someone to court? You know, it's it just starts. You know, grassroots it starts much younger than that. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I'm I'm happy to hear that it is in law for the workplace discrimination, as mm-hmm. you said. I hope. The, the United States follows that example. And it's just stories like the one you just told me and this one about this this boy down in um, Texas that just make you realize, yeah.
2: Is there any chance I can share something else with you, Jen? Of,
0: that's why we're here, of course. Talk I, to me.
2: Well, first of all, do you know where dreadlocks are mainly from? Like where they, which culture they kind of started with?
0: Well, in my in my head, it's a Rasta thing, and and I okay. know you said your father was Jamaican, yeah. So,
2: so okay. it's rooted in. But am I wrong? No, no, you're Talk right. Rastafarian culture, okay, okay. which is it's part of their religious tradition, actually to grow their locks.
0: That's the other thing. It's religious as well.
2: Yes, for some in Jamaica, there are many people that it's a religious thing, but also it might be it, they might not be Rastas, but it could be a cultural thing for them. That's their identity, and. Last year, was it last year or 2020, they actually, a young girl was told she couldn't come to school anymore unless she cut off her dreadlocks. And this is in we Jamaica. Had... Yeah. So that's also another side to it. It was just like, wow, you know, when I've been to Jamaica once, I'm dying to go again. And like, it's such a part of the culture. And they are saying you can't come to school with it. And I think they use an unwritten rule that said Mm. locks are hard to clean. So I'm just like...
0: (sighs) But these are, as we know, these are the ways that the culture kept people down by not being outright, you know, persecuting and discriminatory, but something like, oh, well, it's it's for your own health. Locks aren't clean. Like it's, you know, looking back, that's bullshit. Obviously it's racism. Like, I'm sorry. It's racism, but
2: hair has always been contentious, you know, yeah. African tribes would wear their hair in many different styles to signify which tribe. And then slavery comes along and takes people's hair away from them. They would often shave their heads. So it's it's so rooted. It's a le- very layered story. So anyone who wants to do their homework should.
0: And <laughs> this... Young man, Trayvon, Mm -hmm. when he was quoted in the news about it, and he got to the right, up to the heart of it, he said, they're a representation of his blackness. So let alone, you know, your culture, your religion for some, whatever. He got to the point, which is, this is my, this is me. This is my culture. By saying, I can't do this, you are being purely racist. And I I was like, when I was 18, I would not have had, you know, the strength to, A, speak up, and he's suing the the school district. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that he is. Just Even if he doesn't win, just for the fact that now we're talking about it and more people are learning about it, you know? Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And now we're going to move on a little bit to Science Corner, if you will indulge me. Will you indulge me?
2: I will, but...
0: okay, Charisse, now I feel like ridiculous talking about like fabric infused with microbes after we talked about people's identity being taken from them, right? That's
2: what, That's the world we live in. You know, we're, we're layered as well. <laughs>
0: It's true. And it's a beauty podcast. And we touch on all these things, culture, politics, and in this case, a South Korean cosmetics firm that is infusing their fabric with microbes that have anti-aging benefits. The South Korean firm is called Cosmax. And they're trying to market this as something they're calling cosmeto textiles, which is like such a mouthful. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, question for you. Would you wear a garment that had its skincare infused
2: in it? No, because it sounds gross to me. And <laughs> you, I hope you're going to share with the listeners your article where you you wore that set because <laughs> I had visions of you sitting in a chair, squelching, and squirming around, trying to spread the product around. Sharice
0: like- is referring to, I think it was like five or six years ago, I wrote this thing for Mary Claire. Guess, everyone knows the jeans brand guest, came out with these leggings and this top that were infused with like smoothing. I think they wanted to be anti-cellulite, but I won't even go there because I think that's a ridiculous claim. Like moisturizing ingredients. It was the most uncomfortable experience. It was like cooling. Like you would sit down and you'd feel like a cool burst on your Toshi. <laughs> and like, yeah, sure. It feels like it's working, but it was... I don't know. I think cosmetto textiles might be one of those things of like, just because we can do this with science, does that
2: mean we should? That's the thing about science. Science is great. (laughs) And then it just goes one step too far. For me, I'm someone that wears leggings to go to the gym. Okay. I'm not some, but so I was like, okay, Cherise, you know, take that head off. What do you see most people doing when they wear athletic wear? Oh, they just go for coffee, right? They just go and hang yeah. out with their friends, have coffee, maybe do some errands. So I'm like, okay, maybe it's for those people. Because if I wear these leggings to the gym and I'm like doing deadlifts for an hour and a half, it's, I just, ugh. And also. It sounds
0: moist. <laughs> <laughs> moist.
2: Also, are these chemicals, which they are chemicals, are they going to leach into the water system once we wash them? Like, what's the long-term effects for these?
0: Sure, and when we wash our faces, we're washing all that stuff down into the the same water system. Again, it's one of those things that like, yeah, we we can do it, but maybe we should think about this one. I'll be curious to see if they actually go on for sale. I will definitely talk about it again because uh, I going to see who buys those. Okay, in our last little news segment here, I thought this was super cool. A new research just published in an archaeological journal telling us that we might be getting closer to smell what Cleopatra's famed perfume smelled like, which is like this mythical story that comes up all the time with beauty companies, right? Like, oh, this is what Cleopatra smelled like, we think. Or she did milk and honey baths, we think. Well, so <laughs> these archaeologists discovered vases and pottery back in 1906 at the Egyptian sites of Ka and Merit. And this is cool. I just learned this about archaeology. A lot of archaeologists will not excavate certain portions of their sites knowing that future archaeologists will have better technology to do it in a better way. This wow. still happens today. So like at Pompeii, they leave whole sections of it un- untouched because like in 200 years, maybe they'll have some cool camera that they just take a picture. You know what I mean? That's so, so back cool. in 19... 19- I know, I know. And that's like, that's thinking ahead. So back in 1906, they left a lot of this pottery intact thinking, someday somebody will be able to test it. Now they have these scientists found a way using a transportable mass spectrometer to identify the materials in the vessels. They're able to see like if this was a fragrance, if this was food, what was it? So at this site they found, and this is near where, of course, Cleopatra would have visited and sprayed herself with her, or rubbed on her ointments. And so far, they found aldehydes and long-chain hydrocarbons, indicative of, no surprise here, beeswax. Like, of course, mm-hmm. the base of a fragrance back then would be wax, I think, right? Uh,
2: I, I think she smelled amazing. I know. I, I would
0: love to know. I'm picturing, like, in my head, frankincense and myrrh, maybe. The smokiness. A I feel like a
2: smokiness and a sweetness. Kind of like the kind of perfumes that I like, to be
0: honest. Oh, really? Yeah. What's your? Do you have a go-to signature scent?
2: Uh, No, I think I'm still working on that. But I know the one... I do have perfumes that I buy on repeat, mostly Narcissa Rodriguez for her, his very, very first one. Oh
0: my God, it's gorgeous. It's just
2: me. It's like, it suits me, but I feel like that's not cool enough and it's not expensive enough. (laughs) You know... Excuse me, would
0: Cleopatra have said that? No. <laughs> she would have been like, "I'm a boss ass bitch and I smell delicious." <laughs> but Narciso is a really good one. It's very like it's very it's seductive almost, I think. It's got been that, like woody. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I want to ask you more about fragrances. You like, we'll talk about that at the end of the show when we raise a wand, but that has been your news. Thanks for chatting with me about the news. Okay, so we're back and we wanted to talk, Sharice, well, actually, Sharice, you wanted to talk about this topic, about um, the aesthetic choices other people make, celebrities in particular, and how we all start to weigh in. What got you thinking about this?
2: Well, it was actually, I was thinking of adding a new segment to my podcast called It's None of My Business, but because I thought it'd give me an excuse to, I'm saying it's none of my business, but if it were, this is what I would say. So So are
0: you workshopping your podcast (laughs) segment on my podcast? Is that what's happening
2: here? (laughs) It all started with Zoe Kravitz. She's stunning. Okay. Okay. She's stunning. She has the angle. She has the chin. She has the cheeks. She's a stunning human being. But if you're someone that is inquisitive or you're into beauty, you may have noticed that her face has changed a little, you know, over the past 10 years. And, I already thought that, but I didn't know it. So I'm not going to say she's had done stuff done to her face.
0: Because but, it's none of your business, but.
2: <laughs> but there's an amazing cosmetic doctor that I love, Dr. Iwoma. She's also known as Skin Doctor Without the Eye on Instagram. And one day she did these amazing stories and she literally broke down Zoe Kravitz's face saying, probably had this, probably had that, da, da, She didn't save them. To her highlights. So once they were gone, they were gone. But I know a lot of people were talking about that buckle fat pad removal.
0: Yes. I have a friend who had that done to get his jawline
2: more chiseled. Amazing.
0: I mean, I would say traditionally attractive wise, he looks more traditionally attractive. His jawline is more math, like it's more chiseled in that way, which I think, whether you're whatever gender you identify, Mm -hmm. like that cut jawline is like a sign of youth. And yeah. attractiveness.
2: It is.
0: She thinks that, the, that Zoe had her buckle fat pads. Oh, yeah, community. and
2: everything else. She, I think she may have even said almost like a half facelift. She definitely said brow lift. And she definitely said fillers um, and lips. Wow. So it's quite a lot, but it makes sense because Batman, the Batman's probably the biggest film she's ever done. I feel there's a lot of pressure on women in particular to keep it fresh, you know, look better than you did before. And with Zoe, the differences are quite clear. So, but I know there's other people as well. And it's like, since I've noticed Zoe, I've, I've noticed this real trend for very pointy chins coming in. Pointy chins, nice round cheekbones. It's like the A latest look. Kind of. yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. I was talking to another doctor who mentioned Bella Hadid and how she also has that, that same kind of like feline, like pulled up at the yes, top. Yes,
2: you got to be careful Pointing with your that your chin. One.
0: Yeah. So my thing with this though, when, when doctors do this, I'm fascinated. I cannot stop watching these videos. I love it. I love to guess with my friends, usually not in public and not in a story I would write because I, I don't know for sure. Yeah. But I wonder, is some of that also the pictures that we take because we can filter everything now. You can CGI a movie, you know, to make people look younger. Can we really trust that that's what they look like in person?
2: No. And you know why I say that? It's purely because of several actresses that I've interviewed in the past. Yeah. And this was a while ago. I haven't interviewed an actress for a long time, but there was a certain actress. And to me, I was like, wow, it's amazing to see how, because obviously when someone's on camera, it's often flipped as well. So aside from filtering and things like that, it often, the image may be flipped, but... All I could think when I saw this person was your face makes more sense on camera. And I didn't mean that in a horrible way. <laughs> I literally meant because she was so different looking in person. Yeah. And this was before people were really using filters, to be honest. This was Okay.
0: So you know that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It wasn't about her showing filters. It was like, I know this person from those big movies. She's beautiful. And she was beautiful when I met her, but I was like, it must be about angles and knowing yourself and lighting. We all know what lighting can do, but now I feel with the advent of Instagram, Instagram and Facetune have given us filters. So now we're able to reimagine our faces and then that's the kind of work that we're getting done potentially. Whereas back in the day, I think maybe it was probably more fillers just to keep the face plump and rounded to b- bounce light. But now it's like, how can I have the perfect face from every angle?
0: Yeah. Do you think that a celebrity owes it to us to be open about getting work done?
2: No, I can't say that they owe it to us. I, I understand why they don't want to tell, but I I feel like the the one story that used to really annoy me, right, because it was blatantly obvious that she'd had work done so mm-hmm. long ago, I don't even remember when it was. Do you remember when Victoria Beckham swore blind that she'd never had her her breast, she'd never had breast implants?
0: I, I don't remember this, but I trust that you do. Okay,
2: yeah, because I mean, she was the super slim one, and often super slim bodies don't come with boobs. And then she had these yeah. boobs done that looked very hard, and you know, you can get them placed under the muscle or on top. Yeah, and they were very far apart. And she would just say no. And I was like, oh my God, don't deny. Just, just, just don't address it. Like, yeah. keep, you know, keep your business to yourself. I fully understand that. But to to address lot, it and deny lot. it, I was like,
0: Yeah. Dude. And it always comes back to haunt you too. Because I think back then a lot of more celebrities lied about it. And now with social media and you can't get away with a lot. No. And also there's nothing to be ashamed about if you would choose to change your body or your face. In my mind, at least.
2: I don't think you should be ashamed at all. I think you have to know why you're doing it. You mentioned Bella Hadid. There's that feline look. I don't know if you know the story of Jocelyn Wildenstein, who's become known as the Cat Lady. Yeah,
0: I, She's a New Yorker. Like, like I would. Say, I saw her once on the street in New York, and I didn't yet know the story, and I felt so bad because I like looked because tw- I stared because it was. Mm. So, she doesn't look human. to me.
2: Again, she doesn't owe it to anyone to explain, but I'm just like the people that were doing the work on her there has got to be mm-hmm. like a burden of, come on, has she done yes. enough? But again, it's up to her. I think, you know, we could also talk about Kim Kardashian doing over time, she's refining and refining and refining. I think she started mm-hmm. in uh, uh, late 20s maybe, and now she's heading towards her 40s. And I don't think you can keep refining. Like, I don't know what would be left.
0: You know what? You're right. That is something I think about too. At what age it starts to actually make you look older, you know? And I feel like I'm coming up on that age where, like, okay, you just got to lay off and let some nature take action.
2: Well, I've heard that if you get the buckle fat pads removed later mm-hmm. on, it could be, it could look not so great for you.
0: Very gaunt. And also, if you yeah. get filler, which I do, if you get too much over time, it can get heavy and then it starts to pull down your face, which is the opposite of what you want to do.
2: I've seen that
0: you're a photographer. So I'm sure when you, especially when the light hits in a certain way, you can just tell some shadows are unnatural on a person's face. I was getting a facial once and I just said to the facialist, I was like, can you tell I have filler in there? And she just like, I was like, just be real with me. She was like, yes, but I would never say anything. But as she was massaging, you know, my Mm. cheekbone area, you know, she knew. And it's just like... That's why I always own up to it. But I don't know. I went off on a tangent there telling you about my filler and how I'm worried it's going to sag
2: down. No, I appreciate <laughs> it. I've, I've, had, I've had filler. The only reason I haven't been back for it is the pandemic happened. Yeah,
0: yeah. So it's
2: been a long time.
0: I love watching doctors do that. I think they think they're making their name on Instagram when they call out a celebrity because it sure as hell gets traffic. But I do think it perpetuates that objectification, which is kind of, I mean, we're in the beauty world. So this is what, you know, our job is to look at aesthetics and appearances, but I don't want to do it in a way that ever feels like I'm objectifying someone. So like, I always hope people will call me out when I do that.
2: There's also that, um, the things that you don't realize you're doing, I think everybody's guilty of it. There's like, there's an inner reaction when you see certain things and it's, there's kind of like a judgment that comes in when people look a certain way.
0: Yeah.
2: You sent me that article on lookism, which I'd never heard of before. Yeah, And it's something to do with discriminating against somebody for their physical appearance. And I was just like, people do that. Like since 2020, we've worked on so many things, whether it's race, sexuality, gender, and this, I feel like is one of the last things that maybe we can actually hone in on because everything is a judgment. Like even the nicest person and and even all family can be terrible. You know, I don't know what it's like for you when you were younger, but there's, um, I think I can speak for many of my friends from like perhaps the West Indies. It's like, oh, you, you put on weight. Oh, you got fat. Oh, you got spotty.
0: <laughs>
2: Look at your skinny legs. That's my aunt.
0: There's always an auntie <laughs> who's going to
2: come in. I'm like, who and, needs you the authority? You're not Naomi Campbell. And She's, but she's that, not the fittest, I mean? prettiest auntie sitting in the corner. <laughs> but that's, that's the thing. That's why I say I don't think celebrities owe us anything because right. we all do it to each other.
0: We do. But family is different. I'll take it from my family. But in you the up? it really does. And the article you're talking about is uh, Dr. Heather Widow. She's a philosopher from Birmingham, like you. And she, she's really pushing this narrative because she says, like, this is the last thing you, you realize when you're being racist, one hopes, or sexist or whatever. But most people don't realize when they're being looksist. And I've, like, since she came on our podcast, I've really been trying to, I find myself saying things and I'm like, wait, pause. I'm being judgy. Like, let's just identify it when we see it so I can at least work on this because I know I'm still doing it. Yeah. But yeah, I think all of us should be doing that. So what do you think? You're going to bring this segment into your podcast? It's not my business, but...
2: <laughs> if people want to come on and talk to me, then yeah, because, you know, like, it's not my business, but she wants to talk about it. <laughs>
0: It is time to raise a wand. I'm not raising a wand, but a listener is, and Charisse is going to raise a couple. First up, we have Trinian from Oklahoma City. Take it away, Trinian.
1: Hi, Jess and Jen, and um, this is Trinian from Oklahoma City. I would like to raise a wand to the Westman Atelier Potapesh. It's the um, super loaded tinted highlight, and the color is Potapesh. Sorry, if you've mentioned this before. It might be a cult favorite. Uh, it took me a while to figure out how to use this because it is kind of a hybrid product. It's kind of like a cream highlight blush, but it's in a um, compact and I love it. So you have to use kind of like a short bristle nylon brush. Um, I know West Benatelier makes one, but I just used kind of like a foundation brush that had short bristles that I already had. It is so great. It gives you that. I've never gotten more compliments on, your, on my skin. It gives you that glowy, kind of just fresh but natural look. I put it on first under blush and um, sometimes I don't even put blush on top of it because it does give you a touch of color. But if I want a little extra, I'll put a little blush on top. Um, I also like the West Ben Atelier um, Baby Cheeks Blush Stick in Minette is really a pretty coral that has some shimmer to it. And then sometimes I'll even put, um, I'll just do the blush and then I'll put the um, super, super loaded tinted highlight on top. And that's also really pretty. So I put it on my eyelids too as an eyeshadow and it's just super pretty and natural. You can use it a lot of different ways. So. Um, that is my favorite, and I love your guys' podcast. Thanks so much.
0: Okay, Westman Atelier, come through. If you guys want to share your raise wand, you know how to do it. Email us at info at fatmascara Call us six four six. Sorry, one six four six four eight one eight one eight two. I won't pick up the phone. Charisse won't pick up the phone. It goes right to her voicemail. <laughs> My guest co-host, you've been so amazing. Now comes the fun part of the show. I want to hear what you're using these days. Let's raise some wands. I'll make it... When you ask a beauty person this, by the way, it's so like, they're like, where do I even start, you know? (laughs) So I'll be a little bit specific for you. Can you raise a wand for me to your favorite skincare product right now?
2: That is... It's a serum from Bioma. And I'm trying to remember what it's called because they've got a few. It's the... Brightening serum with triceramide complex, niacinamide, and hyaluronic acid. It's so good. I think the reason it's so good is because of the niacinamide. Niacinamide is like my skin's best friend, especially if I'm having a breakout. It just calms everything down. Redness is gone, but also any spots, are just they just calm right down.
0: It helps with the spots when they're active, not just like the, the dark marks after for you.
2: Well, it's called the brightening serum. So I imagine that's what it's aimed at. I don't know if I've been using it long enough to tell you it lightens dark spots, but during an but it active calms breakout,
0: inflammation. Yeah.
2: 100%. Like I've had, we had a bank holiday recently here and I just went hard on the carbs and the dairy three days oh, later, God. red hormonal spots. Two days later, I was like, let me just leave it alone. But I started using my bioma again and it's just got, it just, does that whole, it just calms it down and makes you feel, if you're someone that gets spots, it just makes you feel like, okay, it, it's not as bad as it looks. It's just my skin getting a bit, you know, like upset.
0: Without drying it out like you might if you were like benzoyl peroxide or a lot of salicylic it, it doesn't dry it out.
2: I mean, I'd layer it anyway with moisturizer yeah. and then my SPF, but it's been, I've, I've even let it. the PRs know just how good it is. Like I've told them this has been so good to me.
0: I love that because I think some people might not think of it for an active breakout. They might just think of it as a general brightening serum, but that's a really good tip to calm it down. Especially I feel like with adult acne, when it's not like that teen oily, oily kind of acne, it's more the sugar hormonal kind of acne. Yeah, so it's delightful. Okay. raise a one for me to a makeup product you've been loving right now. <sighs> Sigh. The
2: Kevin Oakwan Foundation Balm. I feel like everybody oh. else is copying it right now. And they're getting all the press. But I feel he did it first. Hold
0: on, let me get my Bobby Brown. Or sorry, Jones Road just did like a foundation balm, right? What's so good about the Kevin Aquan one?
2: It is just... Oh, I just remember when I first used it. I can't even show you. Well, I've already put some on and it's just blended in, but...
0: So this isn't the sensual skin enhancer that everybody knew and loved back in the day, the really thick cover This is a
2: foundation in a balm form. Once you put it on, you can put as much as you want on or as little as you want on, you're still going to get some decent coverage. It blends seamlessly into other products. It works well with or without powder. It is just a beautiful formula. You don't feel like you're wearing makeup. I'm wearing it today, it's just like perfect. Doesn't cause mm. any issues. I just cannot go on about it enough. And I was lucky enough, my friend who's a makeup artist actually got me this shade. And as someone, as a woman of colour, I'm always nervous. If somebody gives me foundation, it's not going to be my shade because, you know, I have yellow undertones, but I have some redness and I'm also brown. But this, honestly, it just does something. It's, It's super soft. It gives this very soft effect. Yeah, I wish I'd, al- I don't know how new or old it is, but it's that product that I wish I'd always known about. Can
0: I ask, do you know your shade number? They do numbers, don't they?
2: Yeah, it is medium FB09. Okay, because I
0: also, I get, I'm yellow, but also red. And they usually want you to go either cool or warm. And Orange. I'm like, I can't, I'm, ha- I'm half Iranian, half okay. who knows what. And it makes for rosacea, but with weird olive un- of undertones.
2: It's like you so can't. So annoying. But this, <laughs> yeah. it's funny because when I actually look at it, I was like, oh, it might be a bit too cool. But it, once it's on, it's just, honestly, it's beautiful. So beautiful.
0: Oh, I wanna try that. This is why I love Raise the because you know, if you're talking about this, you know you like it. Okay. Another one, a hair product. Is there—is there a hair product you wanna shout out?
2: Well, can I say two for two different reasons? Of course. One is the Bread Beauty Supply Hair Oil because it smells amazing.
0: That's been getting a lot of love on our show lately.
2: But I get it. It's just easy to use. It doesn't give you that, you know, if you use it for three days in a row, it's like, oh, my hair's oily. I only use it on my ends. I just love it. I do love it for the smell and the fact that it doesn't build up. But when it comes to taking care of my hair, I'm a, I'm a recent Olaplex fan.
0: Oh, I think Did I've you choose got, the at home one?
2: Yeah. The number, yeah. I guess that's number three. Number right? three. I've just finished it. So good. I think, you know, I'm someone, I can lose a lot of hair in the shower or like when I'm washing my hair, I think it, it stopped that by more than 50%, like easily, like it's hugely affected my hair dropping out in the shower. I don't know why. Or maybe it's what it does to my hair when it comes to the next time to wash it. It's just, I'm shedding less. I'm not sure why. But and I'm sure so less good.
0: breakage too. Not even yeah. just shedding the breakage.
2: But there's it's two of know, the ones the I use as well. Bonds. Is it number eight and number four. So number four is just a shampoo and number eight is the regular conditioner. But I want to try number nine. It's this new serum. It sounds really good. Yeah, we
0: talked about it. I, I heard it was good if you do a blowout. Like... Okay. For an, I'm an air dryer and I like it curly in a wave, mm. but people who'd use heat with it said it's like really good with heat also. So,
2: Okay. I'm a, I'm, a, mm. I'm a convert because I write about hair a lot. So, but I know like the greatest hairdressers, like the big ones, they love Olaplex. So I was like, let me try it.
0: Yeah. That's what we want to hear about. And then my last question for you, because it's one of my favorite things to talk about is fragrance. But like, are you a fragrance person? What do you, I know you told me about the Narcissos.
2: Yeah. So I love my Narcissos for daytime or date night, depending which one it is. But the byredo Mojave Ghost is, <gasps> mm. I just think it's me. I think, cause I love the desert um, and I love the powderiness of this. And for me, this is the perfume that I wear for me. I'll be going to bed with this perfume on. I'll like have my shower, do my skincare, fresh sheets. And that's the perfume that I'll put on to just smell myself. Other people think it smells great too, but that's the one that I just think it just melts into my skin. And it's kind of fresh, but powdery and dense at the same time. It's just, I love it.
0: You just gave me an idea for a ritual, which I never think about, but my favorite feeling, and I think a lot of people is getting into clean sheets, but I never put on fragrance. If I take a shower at night and go to bed, I, I always just put it on in the morning thinking I'm putting it on for other people. Why shouldn't I be putting on my favorite fragrance to get so? into bed and get my beauty sleep with? Like,
2: that sounds fabulous. Imagine. I'm doing that
0: tonight. I don't worry. Okay. I won't take Mojave Ghost. That's
2: you. But what, what will you choose then? What's your favorite?
0: Oh, I have so many, but I just got a new one from Frederic Mal and it's like a bitter orange. I can't speak I can't say the French. Something, something orange.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sorry, I'll like do it. This and mean, <laughs> it's like very green, like geranium kind of and orange at the same time. And I don't know, I feel like I'm gonna drift off into a little garden of dirty fabulousness. So that, that's is the thing, Drift you want. off, you know, fall asleep to
2: that. It's like perfect
0: yeah oh my gosh this was so fun I can't wait for you to come to New York and we can hang out in person thank you so much for coming on the show and being my guest co-host this week
2: thank you it's like I'm so happy that you asked me fat <laughs> mascara, as you know is it's up there you know <laughs> we wish <laughs> so thank all you all right guys get
0: your beauty sleep spray a little perfume we'll see you on Friday for an interview uh, have a good one we hope you enjoyed the show. It's your reviews and feedback that help us make the podcast even better. Head over to iTunes to rate and review us or email your thoughts to info at fatmascara.com.
3: We also want to answer your beauty questions and hear what products you love. To share a Razor
0: One product review or to ask a beauty question, email us at info at fatmascara. If you send it as a voice memo file, we can even share your voice on the podcast. You can also do that by leaving us a voice message. Our phone number in the United States is 646 481 8182. Thanks so much for listening.
1: When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all.